1: This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Burn Baby Burn. Dan Burns. To be more like Dan, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe and grow the show today.
2: You're listening to the Marlis Show. It isn't on the radio, it's a podcast fool, you
1: listen anywhere you go, The Joe Marler Show. Welcome to our show. I'm Joe, surname Marler. this is Tom, surname Fordice, and we're here to take you on a journey of absolute nonsense. <laughs> Tom. Yes, Joe. What is your favourite vegetable? <laughs> My favourite. What, to consume? Well, okay, yeah, to consume. Is this one of these tricks where I'm meant to say carrot? No, no trick. Just genuine interest. I think it's time we got to know each okay, other. Okay, I'm, I'm
2: glad we're talking about these things. This will really show each other what we're like. I don't mind spinach. How about you, Joe?
1: Spinach? What's wrong with spinach? That's not a vegetable. What is it then? It's a leaf leafy vegetable. No, mate, because you have to... I'm talking about like a one vegetable. You don't have one. one... You don't have... Oh, I'll have, I'll have a spinach. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that. You have to have low. I'm talking about one vegetable that you can have. You, what one? It's <laughs> just one. <laughs> so I've got a broccoli. Yeah. You can't have a broccoli. Yes, you can. It's a whole thing. You can have that. I've got to eat an entire broccoli. Yes. What one do you pick? Are you picking, are you picking well, I can't
2: broccoli? say cauliflower because I couldn't eat a whole cauliflower. Okay. Carrots, not enough.
1: Okay, fine, keep going. (laughs) So what is your favourite vegetable to consume?
2: (laughs) Okay, my favourite vegetable to consume, which I can't have in leaf form, but also can't be so massive that I couldn't break a floret off and eat it. Yep. Carrot.
1: Fucking hell! (laughs) I knew you'd go with carrot. What about you? I've given this some thought, Mm -hmm. actually, and it'd have to be a potato. A potato? Yeah, big jacket potato. Served with? Cheese, beans and tuna. All three together. Coleslaw on the side. Beetroot, pickled, obviously. Little bit of salad garnish, but take it or leave it. And probably half a tub of butter.
2: (laughs) Would you cook it entirely in the oven or would you get the business done in the microwave and then toast it off?
1: 10 minutes in the microwave. Whack it in the oven for half hour, 40 minutes. Low heat. Low heat just but until it crisps. Then you whack it up for the last five to seven minutes, and it's bloody lovely. Oh, I want one now. Let me have one.
2: We'll have one after today's show, Joe. One more question about your jacket potato. Do you chop it up so you've got equal parts fluffy middle and crispy skin, or do you scoop out the fluffy middle, enjoy that separately, and then perhaps enjoy the skin with some butter and cheese by itself?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Scoop it out, yeah. just have the skin, and put what in it? Butter and... Whatever. Oh, my God. You've never... i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a of potato, mm-hmm. make it as fluffy as fuck, chop it in half, scoop it out, mash that up. Whilst I've been doing that, I've also been... I've chopped up some treifo. Some what? Some treifo. Chorizo. Okay. <laughs> and made it really crispy, like a little chunks. And then I'm going to whip that in with the potato that I've just with fluffy stuff with the fluffy stuff, put a load of butter in it, stuff it back in oh! the, the skin, and then I'm going to put cheese on top, Oof. put it under the grill, wait for it to go a bit just before it burns, wait for it to go crispy, and then I'm going to probably ejaculate <laughs> um, whilst eating it, because fucking hell, how good does that sound? Obviously not if you're a vegetarian.
2: Are we actually going to do an episode this week, Joe, or should we just go and get some massive potatoes?
1: No, I think we've got time to squeeze in an episode. And then we can go out and gorge ourselves on those lovely, fluffy things.
2: Before we do that, Joe, it would be remiss of us not to mention the new official Joe Marler show, Socks.
1: Yes, the socks. Lovely colour, beautiful purple, questionable face. Your face. Yeah. (laughs) But they're available. Click on the link in the episode description, buy yourself a pair. We also then get to send another pair, not those exact ones, but some antibacterial Lovely one, soft, warm, for the homeless. It's a double win, Joe. For someone who needs them. And also if people
2: would like to support the show in a non sock fashion, they can, of course, subscribe on Apple, Spotify and Patreon. For just £1 a week, you can get bonus content, ad-free episodes, and, Joe, what else will you be doing at exactly
1: the same time? You will, of course, be helping us in our long walk to freedom (laughs) of growing there Let's get a guest on. On Joe Marler's show. Our guest today is a personal trainer, turned author and podcaster, and his name is James Smith. Hello, James. Thank you very much for having me. That's your real name.
3: Real name. I've yes. been
1: following you. I've been following you for quite some time actually, James. I know quite a lot about you, but never have I had the opportunity to ask, is James Smith your actual name?
3: We can go deep if you want, really early. Yeah. Uh, so I was born with the name Kian, so I'm adopted from Ireland. So there you go. We have gone deeper. Fuck me dead. There
1: was no inkling why I would ask James Smith. I just thought, oh, that's quite, you know.
3: It's quite an interesting one. I was doing my homework on you, and you are born in 1990, so I'm a little bit older than you. Excellent. I was curious. You're a very difficult person to try and guess how old you are. I was thinking, I was like, is Joe Marler older than me or younger than me? And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm I'm older than Joe Marler. So Fuck! I'm older than Joe Marla. That's bad, isn't it? If, That's if you were born in '89, so I'm from the '80s. Uh, it was very difficult to have a baby out of wedlock in Ireland, so I got shipped over into the UK and given up to my family that I'm with now. I'm going to take this
2: even deeper. Have you contacted your birth parents?
3: No, I don't think. It, I don't think it's really a good idea. I don't really appreciate the upside, and I think with like lineage and say like biological connections, I'd rather they went forward into having kids rather than going backwards into trying to find family members. So that's the way I like it. I think it could open a door to a lot of complications. And I don't think it's ever as straightforward. And I mean, it must've been a very difficult decision for a very brave woman 33 years ago. And I think I'd rather just leave it there. But I do think experiencing success in some way, I think she must have an idea of what name I was given. And then she must go, who's this blonde mouthy prick online. She goes, oh, looks a bit like me. <laughs> looks a bit like my dad. You know, there could be something like that. So yeah, I'm I'm never sure if she's watching.
1: Never, never in a million years did I think the opening of this episode would go down that. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. We've already got an insight into our actual guests that we don't usually get. I've got other questions, Joe, as well. Have you?
3: You can crack on. I'm an open book. Well, no,
1: because well, essentially it's meant to be about personal trainers, but
3: go Tom, <laughs> go for it. How old were you when you found out you'd been adopted? I've kind of known all my life. It was one of those things that was kind of just ingrained to you. So there was never like a, you know, twelve years old. By the way, we have something to tell you. Sit down, son. Yeah. So uh, it was it was I've kind of just always known about it. And it's one of those things I'm I'm quite open to exploring because adoption rates are really low at the moment. They're getting smaller. I think the amount of paperwork people have to go through is becoming even more difficult. And up until the age of 18, if there was a return policy, my parents would have probably taken me back. <laughs> you could have him back. <laughs> so, like, I think people out there that are either bringing up a troublesome kid or have adopted someone who's like just an absolute menace that's 17 or 18, I'd like to say there is a chance they might turn out and straighten out in their 20s. I feel really un- slightly
1: uncomfortable going, right, so gym etiquette.
3: <laughs> but this is the interesting the, the, the thing, right? the appropriate first question that we've
1: ever <laughs> seen on a piece of paper.
3: But personal training, it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a... I'm very grateful to personal training. I'm very grateful that's still my career and what I do. But alternatively, I, I don't think it's who I am, if that makes sense.
1: What, why did you then become a personal trainer from the start? That, that's what's given you sort of the platform to then explode into what you are now. But what was that first thought that you went, right, I'll be a personal trainer then?
3: One of the best things that ever happened to me was realising I wasn't that good at rugby. I uh, Don't fucking stare no, at me, what? you prick. <laughs> I realised that a long
1: time ago, but you I can't saw... fucking do anything else. How could you see just even in a look that that's Declare, what I was thinking? I know your angle.
3: So I, uh, I, I was playing rugby for like club rugby. I, I didn't go to a rugby school. That's what I blame it on. I could have been high school, yeah, yeah. but I went to the wrong school. You, Out of all people,
1: you... Mm. Wanted to be Haskell?
3: I used to get called a poor man's Haskell. Oh, ouch! He now gets called a poor man's James Smith. Perfect.
1: Look how it's worked. That is (laughs) lovely.
3: So uh, I was like, you know, I had to get a job because you only got paid if you played first team, which didn't happen. And I uh, took the first job that was door-to-door sales for Npower. So I I used to knock on doors selling gas and electric to people that had gas and electric. So (laughs) I'd (laughs) knock and you Gloucester as well. GL1 was my postcode. They're like, all right, yeah, come all in. All right, Bob, check the meter. And they're like, I thought we were British gas. And I was like, exactly. And they'd be like, fuck off, get out. And I always expected one like milf one day to open the door and be like, come in. The classic porn scene. Yeah, it never happened.
1: All right, I'm going to be an empower salesman. In the hope
3: <laughs> that Exactly. <laughs> it. And then never happened. And I went from that to working in an office doing IT sales, which at least I was warm and I didn't have to get told fuck off face to face. It was on the phone. Then I went into recruitment and... It got to a point where I was like, I'd rather do something I enjoy and earn less money. And I was very lucky to learn that early on. And I was like, look, if I become a PT and I charge 30 pounds an hour and do two sessions a day, I can live off 60 quid a day. And I can go to work at 11 and go home at one. And I was like, suddenly there's a life where I can wear shorts and a t-shirt, not have to spend time with people I don't want, not have to dress up and fucking be clean shaven for some bellend at work. I can do my own thing, get a good tax break, cash and hand just free gym membership yeah so yeah pretty much and then I work around that so that's how I got into it and I really enjoyed it I enjoyed working with people I enjoyed the fact that for once there was an amount of effort I could put into something and the more effort I put in the more money was in my bank account and people say you can do that in sales but when it's your business it's so much better you know one day I had a pretty bad come down from Ibiza and I was like I'm not training anyone after 4 p.m unless they're paying me 60 pound an hour I was like, cool, messaged everyone and everyone paid me £60 oh, an
1: yeah. hour. Long and short of it is, you need to go to IB for more. Get if you want to be more successful, go to IB first, so you can come down yeah. hard off of it and then literally demand whatever the fuck you want after that.
3: It was an interesting career. And then another year later, I realized how tired I was from. Have you ever know Imagine this, right? You get a CV in front of you and it goes, got a job for you. Yeah, you get to work in shorts. Yeah, cool. You get to run your own business. You go into the gym at 6am, you leave at 7pm, and you get four lunch breaks. People would be like, no, I'm not doing that in a million years. But that's what being a PT is for your first three years. So You're, you had to do that graft? Yeah, you go, you go in, you do your 6 and your 7. Then you'd be lucky if you got an 8. Then people would go to work. Then your wealthy clients that worked from home would train at 10 and 11. Then it would be lunchtime in the gym when no one wants to be there because it's busy. And then you'd have your 5, your 6, your 7s. And then I'd have to leave at 7 to go rugby training. I would leave the house at 5.30 in the morning and get back about 10, 15 at night. And did that for about four years. I wanted to get into personal training while still playing rugby. I wanted to get some qualifications
1: like that. And, I, remember, and I, bought, I paid for this course that I could do alongside online alongside whilst playing. And it was about three and a half grand. So I paid three and a half grand. For what? Well, I got a set of books. Mm. Yeah. And that's basically what I did. I paid three and a half grand <laughs> for a set of books and I didn't get any qualification. And it's timed out now. Like What? Timed out years ago.
3: You go in there and you like, right, six weeks time, I'm going to leave knowing everything. Six weeks time, I knew nothing. Even the, the first year of PTing was where I learned stuff. So it, it's difficult where you say to people now that want to get into industry. I'm like, yeah, pay the three and a half grand. Do the course where you learn nothing. Then go pretend you know what you're on about for a year.
1: But don't you have to do that? If you want to start out as a PT, you have to have some form of qualification to present to the gym to be like for them to go oh
3: yeah sure you can
1: work here and we'll take how does that work what's the split actually do you have to pay the
3: gym commission or what how does that work so then I was looking at different gyms and I went to a gym in Bracknell where they were like you've got to pay us I think it was 360 pounds a month for the gym rent and then you can run your own business in there there was only one other personal trainer in the gym and at first I was like oh that's a bit of money they go I'll give you a couple months for free and as I walked into this gym, I was thinking, I went to the manager, I go, have you got everyone's email addresses? And he says, yeah. I go, can you email them? And he goes, yeah. And before GDPR, he gave me 2,000 email addresses. So I, because I, I worked in recruitment, I blind carbon copied an email, so they couldn't see it, it was to different people. And instead of writing a sales email, I said, hey, guys, I'm a new personal trainer at the gym. If you see me around and you need me to answer any questions, don't be too afraid to ask out. Boom. I had like my first 16 clients before I'd even walked the floor. And all the other PTs like, how did you get so many clients? And while they were going around trying to get people to take their headphones out, I just sent an email.
1: Hang on. What do you mean, take their headphones out?
3: You know when PTs want to talk to you and you've got headphones? Yeah. They do this thing with a smile and they're like, in their mouth, they're like, take your headphone, take your headphone. Hey, mate, so I've seen what you're doing there. Basically, I've got a couple of tips. If you've got five minutes.
2: In that situation as a punter, you feel slightly rude if you turn the PT down. If you say, <laughs> no, mate, I'm fine. They look at you
1: as if to say, I don't think so. Are you? Are you really do the consult on Tom, nice. if you can, Tom? You you've got to give honest. What do you mean honest? Do an honest chat for me. Just be you. Okay,
2: so shoot, uh, James.
3: <laughs> what can I? What can I help you with? I'm fine
1: actually. I've got quite a well established. No, but, what? <laughs> don't Sorry. fucking ruin it. You said be honest. Okay, pretend you're. Okay, you got a wedding. You you need to go to, and you're uh, you're my size.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad you asked that, actually, because I'm going to a
3: wedding and I'm looking a bit breasty.
1: <laughs> 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 Fucking teed it up, absolute.
3: Problem. It was. I'll, I'll make it easier. Like in in essence, I knew from sales how a sales conversation should go. And the best uh, example is a chiropractor. Right, they know you have a problem or you wouldn't be there. Then when they come in, they go, "Oh, what's up?" And you know they've got a bad back. And they go, oh, "I tell you what, we're going to get an X-ray. It's am going to cost you fifty quid." So you get the x-ray. They come back and then they show you what's wrong. And then they tell you how much it's going to cost and how often you have to come in. And then every time you're like, I'm an in an R-in, they go back to the x-ray and go, these discs, though. These, how old are you? Oh, I'm 20. These look like 40-year-old discs. If you don't get... So you used to Re- x-ray everyone? No, no, know. I'm saying so that's <laughs> that's the sales process. So if you're a personal trainer, you you bring them in. You understand their pain points, whether it's not getting fucked by their husband Getting out of breath, chasing their kids. Any
1: of them relevant to you in your consult? My husband hasn't fucked me for
3: months. <laughs> okay. Let's, so mate, then, let's change that for him. Okay. You then present the solution, what you think you want to give them. Then you might give them like a reason to believe your solution. And then ultimately, you present back to them their pain points with the solution, tell them how much it costs. And my reason to believe was always if you don't think my personal training is worth twice what I charge you, I'll refund you at any point in the first month. That was it. And here's here's something that's crazy, right? Most personal trainers are doing their job because of the way they look. They're not empathetic. They don't do their research. They don't remain up to date on relevant topics. A lot of them are just people that put minimal effort into looking good topless. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Let's say, uh, I bet through your career, people have said to you, you're big and broad because you play rugby. Yeah. The truth is you play rugby because you're big and broad.
1: Oh. Uh, I, I've had some question marks. I haven't, I've, I've always been... Fat.
3: <laughs> let's let's reframe this. You're at primary school when you first start playing rugby. Yeah. Uh, Thirty kids go out and they all run at each other. Yeah. Now the big, broad guys with high levels of aggression, a little bit of agility. You bump someone in your first session. You Guilty. go. You go. I like this. Guilty. I mean, I dropped the ball, but I bumped him anyway because I went fat the ball. You're getting bashed. The smaller guys, they get bumped and go, "This isn't for me." Yeah. So you don't always pick your sport. Your sport can pick you. Yeah. Now if we take that into the realms of personal training. There are a lot of people who are obsessed about the way they look and their friends go, oh my God, you've, you've had a six pack all year round. You should become a personal trainer. So rather than it being a job about being empathetic and caring about your clients, we now go into a gym. And if you look at the PT board in a gym, why the fuck have 80% of them got their tops off? You know, how and what am I supposed to do a, a test on how good you are as a person by looking at how low your reserves of energy are? You can imagine if you needed... Like, you know, you go to a mechanics or something, and you go, oh, mate, can you take your top off so I can gauge how good you are at being a mechanic? I know the crossovers aren't quite there, but it's an interesting profession, and a lot of people wonder why they I think 80% of PTs don't see their second year. And it's because many of them get into the profession for the wrong reasons.
2: Joe, what would you say your
1: favourite body part is? I really like my eyes. Okay. I was thinking more of a gym-based one. A gym-based thing? (laughs) I like my traps, because they're... Really easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> you just hold something and then shrug. Just go, like, But the facials that come with a shrug, when you get to that like intense burn at the end, you're like, oh, why, why is my mouth thing like that? You get bad <laughs> facials. James, what you've touched on there about PTs ending in their or not making their second year because they get into it for wrong reasons, has completely flipped the stereotype I had on PTs that. PTs are just in there because they're shredded. They want a free gym membership and they want to look at fit
3: women and imagine or men can, in can, the gym. You can train three times a day, eat plain chicken and broccoli out of Tupperware without anyone blinking an eyelid. Nice touch. Mirrors everywhere. You're in the perfect place to be a narcissist. So there is that element. People think that people you're going to go into a gym and people are just going to turn up and go, let me give you money to train me. It's not the way it is. And I always correlate marketing to getting laid. So ultimately, if you go, if you've got a single mate that needs to get laid, he needs to go into a club, he needs to put himself in the right environment. He probably needs to talk to twenty women to get five numbers to arrange three dates to have sex once.
2: Although you say that, I've got mates who could speak to fifty women and they wouldn't get that. Also, mates who talk to one woman and do you know what I mean?
3: Which, <laughs> Which one, one are do you aim <laughs> at? So I do talks to help personal trainers understand this. Then suddenly they go, oh wow, I need to talk to ten people on the gym floor to potentially get five people's contact information of only three will message me back of one will come in for a trial session so I got that from knocking on doors I wanted to quit my job and I said I fucking hate knocking on doors and the guy was, got his computer out and he goes when you knock on 100 doors you make a sale so knock on 400 doors and shut the fuck up and I was like okay fair point this
2: episode is sponsored by the following magnificent people Walshy, John Walsh walk on walk on it's Andy Walker Tim the Mess Eaton, The Emerald Jade Ingram What bum 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 What is it good for? It's Ben Wharton The Burj Khalifa Alan Burj Wake up Maddy Vovish, King Louis Morgan Robert Giro Giro. The Bounty Hunter Alistair Bounty The Wiley Old Fox Dave Wiley Dave Southie Southworth The Carpenter Jim Wood There's no one crapper than Carl Crapper and the old Waltonian, it's John Walton. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content and grow the show today. What is we, If we're setting up Joe Myler personal training... Oh, are we? What's your ethos?
1: Why am I doing it? Yeah. I'm doing it because I want to make you... What do you want? I'll be like, well, what do you want to do? Mm. I can provide you a service of... Uh, you, you want to slightly modify the way you look. You're not happy with the way you look. Mm-hmm. I can't work miracles. Oh. I can probably shave some of that there and patch it back on there. Deal, yeah. Or you can have some of that. Or you want to feel better about yourself. You want to get fit and healthy. Actually change your lifestyle, that sort of vibe. I don't think I'd offer, oh, I just want to come and do some curls. Do you know what I mean?
2: Would you use your own physique as
1: part of your sales pitch? Would you like a hunchback and <laughs> a bulging disc with a label tear in your hip um, and an ankle that clicks every 30 seconds? Are you going vesty? Always a vest, but not... Not the stringy. Not beater. the stringy, just the, arms, just the arms. It says he's side, formal, but he's side here to party. By, The side boob will fall out too much for me and the armpit hair. No one wants to see that. So I'll I'll just have the sleeves slightly longer than the shoulder and cut down there. And one of my rules in the gym would be that you're allowed to spit on my floor. (laughs) Really? It's not hygienic, but it's the classic spit and sawdust. And you can bring your own sawdust. Perfect. Strongest man in the England camp, Joe? Probably Ellis Genge or... Pound for pound, someone like Joe Marchant. Ooh. So Joe Marchant will be like ninety, ninety three kegs. And he'll be squat he'll be squatting over two hundred. He'll be benching one sixty, one seventy. I can do those numbers, but I'm double his fucking weight. Mass moves mass. And he can run and he's good looking and he's always happy. So yeah, Genji or, or March, they tend to be the ones. Um what about guys that sit on
3: their phones? Fuck me. I always say you have people that are training, people that are exercising. So people that are training have a method, going to go in, do this, get out. And often your training sessions look a bit shorter than what you'd expect. You're like, is this it? But then you're fucked at the end. Mm. People that exercise just kind of go in to rev their engine a bit. Oh, I'm going to run on a treadmill for a bit, do a bit of this, do a bit of that. And you do see the people that potter between equipments, not knowing what they're doing, lift a bit, drop that, cool. When you have to do an induction to get in the gym... (laughs) How the fuck has someone cleared them to say, yeah, you know what you're doing, when you clearly fucking walk around the gym not knowing what you're doing? 100%. And, but then my first year of a PT, I didn't really know what I was doing. Ah, right. So I would, I would put my hand up and say I'm guilty on that front. So I think that if people want to chill on their phone or be on Twitter or whatever, but get the fuck off the machine, right? You do your shoulder press. Nice one, bro. Now move out the way, especially if you've got headphones on. If you lock eye contact with someone, you can use that in between. to Communicate. I've got three minutes rest. Do what you like. Wipe it down, you dirty fuck. The gym's a weird place. People don't talk to each other anymore. The only conversation that happens is if you want someone to move on, you ask them how many sets they've got left, and it's always one. You've got much left on that, just one, mate, and they're off. You know, like, even looking at people in the gym now isn't, like, allowed or anything or communicating. So, yeah, people on phones can be annoying only if they're hogging.
1: What about gloves? What's your
3: uh, views on gloves? Absolutely not. Like no gloves, no to the gloves. <laughs> I like a glove. If you're, I fucking knew you'd like a glove. I knew you would like a glove. <laughs> if you're a hand model, I, I'll allow it. Look after them. Yeah, I mean, like there's there's like grip assists you can use if you've got bad bad grip. <sighs> but the gloves is one that's a little bit funny. Well, you know, you have the the CrossFit guys, the ones that yeah you know, headband lifting belt. Uh, you know, there's a time and a place for it. I've seen people run on a treadmill in lifting shoes before. Tom, are
1: you verse with lifting shoes
2: yeah of course what are you saying look at my physique
3: you would literally have them in your gym bag put them on you take them off because when you walk around with them it's like wearing clogs (laughs) but i've seen people out and about wearing them with jeans so they've obviously seen them in the shop and gone oh look at these trendy adidas trainers they've even got a velcro strap across them to stop your foot from moving (laughs) i have
1: walked down kingston high street with a pair of jeans and some silver adidas lifters sweet because I forgot my train, <laughs> I had to get the bus home, and I was like, oh, fuck, me dead. people are gonna look. Okay. <laughs> You're not joking. I'm not joking, mate. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they were horrible. What about curling in the squat rack? What is this? Why Why
3: can't you curl in the squat rack? It's frowned upon, isn't it? A bit like wanking on a plane. Not allowed to wank on a plane? In the, in the hangover of the film where he goes, uh, wanking on a plane, it's frowned upon. And he goes, thanks a lot, Bin Laden.
1: <laughs> Some of the videos out there, mate, of like, gym fuck ups gym fuckery actually i think it is on instagram or something like that. it is unbelievable and it still makes me wince when someone loads up a leg press machine oh. and full, they're fucking loaded up super heavy and they're fully extended oh i can't even fucking say that. they fully extend and their knees go
3: the other way than they should oh.
1: Oh, oh, not even seen it. Well, really? I like, I like that one. Those it's are,
3: hideous. And I think that people need to really respect lifting heavy, but let's look at other things apart from adding weight. And I get shit whenever I, I comment on this online. I'm like, hey, people go, what do you know? You're fucking small. And I'm like, cheers, guys. I'm, I'm out here like trying to maybe save you an injury or maybe mix up your periodization to benefit you. And uh, I took steroids when I was younger. I took anabolic steroids when I was like 24. Ooh. Why? I wanted to be accepted as a personal trainer. And I was like, these guys are all jacked and swole and i was like they're either incredibly smart or on steroids i'm I'm neither of those things right now so let's do one of the two and see how we go i remember there was a, a mate of mine i won't name him he was a scrum off and he was quite a small slim scrum off and he put on about shit you know 40 50 kilograms in the space of a year or two to the point he was just almost like a trode of muscle and so i messaged him i go i want to get some steroids he goes cool and i'm very grateful that he, he could have sold me two vials of testosterone, which would have been cheaper than a tub of protein. But instead he goes, look, this is how much it costs for the testosterone, but you're gonna need post-cycle therapy. We're gonna to need to give you breast cancer drugs. Uh, so Tamoxifen, nolvidex, Clomid, uh, something called Pregnol, which is what they give to boys when their balls don't drop. So you're gonna to have to inject that when you finish to get your access of communication between your brain and your testicles. None of this put you off? No. <laughs> Because I was desperate. I, I, I was genuinely in my 20s desperate to fit in and be successful. And then uh, one of the other drugs they give you is called a Rimadex. And a Rimadex <laughs> is something that when you're on cycle, your nipples can become very sensitive. And what's happening is something called aromatization. Your body's converting excess testosterone into estrogen. And this is where guys get gyno and they get... Bit titty. But, titty. Yeah, Oh, if your nipples get sensitive, you need to take this, but it will reduce your estrogen, which will inhibit your gains. And like, it's a pretty complex world that you're out there. Uh, if you take oral steroids, your body has to break them down. It could be quite toxic. So you get your needle pack, you get your alcohol swabs, your syringes. You need to draw testosterone with a different needle to the one you inject with. There was one time that I didn't have the blue. You draw with the green, you inject with the blue. Uh, so I had to inject with the green. I had fucking killed. You gotta aim for the upper outer quadrant of your glute, which is the least vascular part in your body, because if you hit a vein, then you're in a lot of problems. So you, you put it in and you have to draw back on the syringe oh. to make sure blood doesn't go in, because if blood goes in, you're in a blood vessel. I'm at my mum and dad's house in my bedroom. Like, I've not got great mobility in my back and I'm trying to reach the outer quadrant of my glute. And I was injecting uh, testosterone into my ass, but my strength increases were phenomenal. They were almost scary to the point that I'm looking at 30 kilograms on a deadlift more than I lifted the week before and I'm hitting it. And then I'd go to my rugby club and all the boys were like, you're on steroids. We're talking five weeks in. Uh. I'm like, how do you know? They're like, you look different you are different in five weeks. I thought that steroids might benefit my rugby career, but then I was just five kilograms heavier and just out of breath going everywhere. My shoulders were fucking killing me from the amount of my volume had gone up so much that I made one tackle and I was like, oh, my fucking shoulders has gone. It, you feel amazing when you're on testosterone. So many things uh, boost people's testosterone, getting more sleep, get more sunlight, reducing stress. Like I have a, a theory in my mind that a lot of people in England, when they go on holiday, they get a lot more sunlight, they get a lot less stress, and they get a lot more horny. And it's probably the vitamin D from the sun and all of these things.
2: Not if you go on holiday to Wales like I do. (laughs) Why does Murph
3: always insist on you go to Wales? Scotland. We're going to
1: Wales or Scotland. (laughs) Anywhere that there's no sun, I'm afraid, Tom. (laughs) You are to come nowhere near me. (laughs) Sorry.
3: So then you've got... This is a big thing. Young people at the moment, they they take steroids, and then you get to your 12-weekend, and your testicles atrophy because they're no longer having to produce testosterone. So when you get to the end of your cycle... So
1: that's not bollocks. That, uh, that's it not, is
3: bollocks. Your testicles shrink. That's
1: not, that's not a lie. That it, they, they, they
3: do actually shrink. To the, mine were like grapes at one point. and Fucking and hell. When I was having sex, I was losing them inside me. So I'd have to then pop them <laughs> out no, they, they no, would, honestly
1: honestly I, have. They, <laughs> I do have
3: they were they were so small they'd go up inside so you like, oh, and you'd be you'd be worried so you'd have to pop them out and uh, so you are going through this, but at twelve weeks you have to stop because if you go too long, they get atrophy to the point they don't bounce back. that's why people cycle for like twelve weeks okay so then you can take something during your cycle to keep them going as some people do, but there's other complications that can going to with this and by the way, this is not advice by for people, this is my own personal. Uh, experience. But then I'd come off and I would lose size, I'd lose strength, I'd lose muscle, and I'd experience low mood for two weeks. And it's because my testosterone is through the floor trying to come back. You always say to yourself, I'm not going to do it again. But then four weeks later, the pumps don't feel like they used to. Your progression isn't what it used to. People would be like, oh, are you, like, you okay? Because you've lost size. You know, Have you been ill? <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? then all it took was a little text to your mate again, going "Oh, I'm going to go back on in a few weeks. So there's a lot of people that are caught up in these cycles now. And the bad thing is you don't see your mate in six months and you see him, you can make you look amazing. Like you don't know that there's actually a drug abuse issue going on with steroids. And it can be in a lot of cases, the better of two evils. If you look at this the spectrum of testosterone replacement therapy for older men, that's a different discussion where if you're like 35, 40, low mood, low libido you could go to a doctor and get a sensible dose that you could take for the rest of your life. Can I? Sorry, could they? Sorry, is this (laughs) this fucking made for you? This is made for you. But this abuse that happens younger with much higher doses, Mm. not to mention body image issues, self-esteem, all of these things, and a lot of steroid abuse, I believe, can really translate into mental health issues for people. I've, I've seen it firsthand. And for me, I was very lucky where, whilst I was out of cycle, I knew it wasn't healthy for me to be doing it. A friend of mine was like, you should come try CrossFit. And I'd been ripping the shit out of CrossFitters, I was like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, burpee this, bruv, like, yeah. And I went and I loved it. Doing something in a different environment where if I turned up fatter, thinner, muscular, no one said anything. It was just about all going together and training together. Then after that, I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where it doesn't give a fuck if I've gained a bit of weight, lost a bit of weight, if I'm pale or if I'm stressed or if I've just come back from a lad's holiday. You're not in the mirror thinking, oh, I'm a piece of shit like people do with aesthetic aesthetics goals. And that was very fortunate for me in my late 20s to veer me away from this cycle of taking anabolic steroids to impress strangers and to try and be accepted in a career that I was in.
2: Is that not nuts, Joe, to so you? Just that's that last sentence you said there, James, taking anabolic steroids to impress strangers.
1: Yes, it is nuts. But I can sort of understand why people do it when the world we live in, you're being told, this is the way you should look. This is the best way to look because kids and younger generations are just being hammered by all these massive bodybuilders these six packs the the women in incredible shape and all that lot so they're like well if that's there that's obviously real and doable for me so I'm going to try everything I can but usually they they want an easier option or the the quickest option to do it
3: it can also be a bit more subtle like even Thor in the latest film you've seen Chris Hemsworth in that I've seen the the um, trailer trailer he... for it yeah and he looks fucking great yeah for me actually I'm so grateful that for so much of my young years, probably up until the point of taking steroids, I played rugby where it was acceptable to carry a bit of timber. If you hit your rucks, jump well in the line out, and you know you're good on the piss, then it's not a problem. If you're a teenager now on TikTok who doesn't play rugby, I think average screen time is five and a half hours a day. But when we look at Gen Z and people younger than us, it's up to eight, nine hours a day that they're on their phones, which is harder for older generations to appreciate. You're exposed to those people for that amount of time. And good physique spread better than bad ones. So the algorithms, especially on like TikTok, Instagram, all of this, are only going to pick up and regurgitate people with these elite physiques. And it's really going to influence people's understanding of what's going on in the world. It is a problem. There's not enough discussions for this. I'm very happy to sit here and go, yeah, I took anabolic steroids. Yeah, it was great when I was on it, but I'm very glad I got off that train of potentially feeling good about myself, feeling shit." And it happens again with people that compete. They spend 12 weeks restricting all happiness from their life, food, calories, fasted cardio, to then get an elite condition, get loads of pictures made, cover themselves in fake tans to get appreciations from a stranger and hopefully a fucking medal. Then they go through a period of being fat and unfit and hating themselves and then do it all over again.
1: That can't actually physically be good for you. That you go, oh, I'm in great nick, I'm thinking, and then I'm going to fuck it all off and I'm down and depressed about it or And then you cycle back into it. Your fucking insides must be all over the
3: place. If you said to me, I want to compete. Can you be my PT? I want to compete. And I'd be like, why? And they'd be like, oh, you know, and they didn't actually have a strong enough set of values to tell me why they wanted to compete. They just wanted to be accepted. And they just wanted to love their reflection. And when you say to them, okay, cool, you're going to have that for a week. Then what? You know, it's crazy. We
1: need to have a break, Tom, because I need to get some information up on my phone (laughs) to then ask James after these ads, please. Thank you.
0: Another
3: day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Those were the adverts. Um, We have wiped down all the equipment we've been using in that period. Um, Joe, there is some amazing celebrity diets and workouts out there. Are you familiar with the famous Mark Wahlberg one? This
1: Mark Wahlberg one. You mentioned Chris Hemsworth uh, before the break about in Thor. And that, you know, gives a ridiculous impression of what you need to be like. But this Mark Wahlberg diet workout (laughs) plan, what the fuck? Give us a blast. This cannot be right. 2.30am, wake up. Mm. 2.45, prayer time. 3.15, breakfast. Breakfast at 3.15. 3.40 to 5.15, workout. 5.30, post-workout meal. 6.00am, shower. 7.30, golf. Fucking hell. Oh, actually, that's quite nice. 8 o'clock, snack. No, no, no,
2: he plays half an hour of golf.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, just half an hour. Just two two holes. <laughs> Uh, 9.30 cryo chamber recovery, 10.30 snack, 11, 11 family time slash meetings slash work calls. I like that family time yeah. has been slashed yeah. with meetings and work calls. One o'clock lunch, two o'clock meeting slash work calls, three o'clock pick up the kids at school. Not a euphemism, I don't think. I think that is literally picking his kids up. <laughs> Three thirty snack, four o'clock workout number two, five o'clock shower, five thirty dinner, flat family time, seven thirty bedtime.
3: Is that a wind up? <laughs> I think it might be a little bit of virtue signaling, like uh, you know, oh look at look at how committed I am. And you know, people are like, wake up at four a.m., go back to sleep for another four hours, so you can fucking be productive the next day. <laughs> why doesn't he? Why does not he just shift that right? So he's getting to bed at half seven. Why doesn't he go to bed at 11 and get up at half six? Like, what's the big deal about getting up so early? I think it's like some people from a mental perspective, they like get a bit of a stiffy knowing they're awake when people are asleep. Like, I'm awake. Like getting, a morning like, glory. Yeah. like Or then, no, not, metaphorical. Like, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they literally think they're getting ahead because of that. But for anyone listening, how about this? Wake up at seven, train for one hour properly, then get on with your fucking day. And guess what? If you're knackered, beaten up or, you know, not feeling like getting out of bed, have the one hour in bed and don't eat like a fucking wanker. It's a good post to that. Yeah. And, and for, for so many people, it's crazy. We've got stressed, overworked, underslept individuals with poor nutrition thinking, let me get out of bed an hour earlier and do a HIIT workout or do a spin class. And you're like, this makes your life worse, not better. You've just become more stressed, more tired and more underslept. Throw in exercise at the equation doesn't always equal a net benefit result. And, I don't, you know, even like The Rock and their training regimes.
1: Hasn't he got his own gym that he just flies about anywhere
3: he wants? Yeah, and Mark Wahlberg as well. Imagine you look at his lifestyle. I'd rather be fat. (laughs) I'd rather be fat. If that's your daily schedule, you're kind of going,
1: fuck this. How many days could you keep that up, Joe? I would do it for a day, and even then I would fucking moan and bitch about most of it and also be moaned and bitched at for it as well for going you've actually scheduled in family time <laughs> you've scheduled oh thank you for the half hour slot you've given us same as the golf yeah that's a bit weird that one that is a bit weird i think you're right about the rock but he's still hard not to like
2: joe give me a, a, a famous catchphrase of the rock please
1: A you smell what the rock is cooking
2: apparently joe this is exactly what the rock has got cooking on his cheat days
1: Cheat days. On his
2: cheat days, Why the yeah. fuck's
1: it called a cheat day?
2: He's eating what he wants to eat oh. on his cheat day. Go on, then. Um, this was one of them. The Double Double Cheeseburger. The Quad Cheeseburger. The Quad Cheeseburger. It's a couple of bacon cheeseburgers with a generous pouring, I'm reading here, of tequila. Here's another one, Bolognese and Bagels. Bolognese and Bagel? So, he's got pasta shells smothered... Quote this is from his Instagram. Pasta shells smothered in a delicious vodka Bolognese with fresh-shaved Parmesan... Uh, bagels with garlic butter and finally brioche french toast with whipped cream and coconut at midnight james's face says bullshit. i
1: think i know where uh, james is gonna go with this uh, first of all james how do you feel about it being called a cheat day
3: i did it for a long time i was i was the guy i hate the person that i talk shit about was me a few years ago for most things stringy beat steroids not being honest to my clients You know, selling the dream under the guise of, you know, breaking the rules. So I'm I'm guilty of a lot of these and cheat meals are one of them. I was like, it's just restrict and binge. You know, it's not so sexy when you call it, hey, let's let's fucking hate our life for six days. But one day you get to be a gluttonous fuck. And then hate yourself for it. And you can cry into a bowl of cereal at one in the morning and then do six days of starving and being hungry in bed. That's a negative for me, Joe. So I would say so. So you're saying crash diets are pretty bad then? Yeah, and like calling it that doesn't benefit the situation. You know, you're not getting a reduction in calories because you called it a cheat meal. You know, you're not benefiting the equation at all. Like for every single thing you've said in this section, I would just say, what about just be fucking normal? You know, you want to have some chocolate before bed, have some fucking chocolate. If 80% of your diet is good, that 20% isn't going to be lagging. You know, like if you have a relationship, if 80% of it is fucking good, the 20% of arguments you can let go. You'll be fine. And it actually sometimes quite nice to have a good argument because you know you're going to be good the next day. This whole, hey, let's be fake to each other for a week and then go balls out hating each other one day a week, The way this just doesn't really work for people. And there's this weird phenomenon when people just relax a bit and they just... Treat their day as normal and they know that if a bit of chocolate comes in or if someone's birthday and a bit of cake comes out and they can just say, I'm going to eat that but not be an idiot, it benefits the whole equation because the more we manifest, there's the psychological thing of don't think of a purple elephant and all you can think about is a purple elephant. So then with people, I think that they should just be normal. Something comes across the desk, have a bit, don't be an idiot. You have cravings for chocolate in the evening? Don't be a weirdo and don't eat it and fucking have a carrot thinking of chocolate. Just have a bit, but don't have too much. If you do indulge, either go back to business the next day or maybe get up a bit earlier, get off the tube a couple stops earlier, walk a bit further, don't stand still on an escalator and take the fucking stairs. That to me, when people go, oh, what do you think about cheap meals? Is that good for me? I think there are so many other health-seeking behaviours people can have that don't revolve around having restrict food. What's the worst
1: diet fad? But you think out of all of them, are like, who the fuck has come up with this and said, this is what we should eat?
3: (laughs) There are so many. And I'll give a one minute little media training clip that helps people understand. On the left, we have people, yourself, myself, anyone we know, family members. And on the right, we have, let's say, a calorie deficit, which is how all fat loss occurs. There's no one that's lost fat in history without creating an energy deficit. In the middle... We have the gatekeepers of this information that are all the fads, all the diets. Probably the one that pisses me off the most is like water fasting or juice diets. People go, but James, I lost seven pounds. I don't see your problem. I'm like, you didn't fucking eat for seven days. (laughs) Like, are you fucking fucking Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know that they've changed a little bit. Like slimming clubs, like you might not have had time to have a banging shit after dropping the kids off at school. Two euphemisms there. Physically dropping the kids off, didn't have a banging shit, go to slimming world and some fucking knob called Sally's like, oh, Sandra. Come on, Sally. (laughs) You're a pound up this week. She's like, I know I need a fucking shit. And they're like, Can
1: I take a shit and then come back on the scales and then you tell me, oh, you're two pound down, darling.
3: Yeah, and then let's say day before has some bad news or they've got low mood and they lose their appetite, go back in the next day. Oh, sorry, si, you've lost two pounds. Fucking ex, Everyone, give her a round of applause. Give her a round of applause. Her anxiety is so bad she hasn't eaten in a day. Well done, you know. <laughs> how can we be quantifying people's success off changes in weight which can fluctuate so much? So those things are the things that kill me the most. And people go, you know, James, uh, I'm thinking of doing a seven-day water fast. I'm like, don't call it a fucking water fast. You're saying to me you don't want to eat for seven days. You would drink water so you don't die.
1: Yeah, do I think it's a good idea? No. Any diets that I've tried, I've failed miserably at. Mainly for those points, because why would you completely cut something out when you enjoy it? Why don't you just kind of learn to not just eat that all on its own <laughs> totally. all the time, like the ten bags of Quavers that I've having
3: that I've had in bed. You want to get bigger bags so you can. You know, I've only had two share packs. <laughs> But, you know, uh, Michael Molesley, he's got this 800 calorie revolutionary diet. Sold millions of copies on an 800 calorie diet. And it's like someone in the UK government just coming out and going, don't spend more than 800 pound this month and you'll be fine. And you're going, OK, is that for everyone? Yes. Everyone in the United Kingdom. Oh, we've got cost of living crisis. No, no, we've had the advice. Don't spend more than 800 pound. You know, it will work for some people because they will stick to it. For long enough that they were like, you know, be brainwashed into the cult.
1: Fucking They're... hell, eight hundred calories.
3: Now the the issue with this is
1: you're only allowed eight hundred calories a
3: day. And he reckons it's a magic number, eight hundred calories. That's like, that's like a five guys. I could only have a five guys a day. A Wagamama's chicken katsu is twelve hundred calories. Oh no. There has to be a, a balance of happiness because the majority of people that sat at me wanting a six pack were like, a six pack will make me happy. And I go, cool, but you'll have to give up so many things that make you happy to get it. And they don't see that.
1: I think the toughest diet I've ever had was actually the reverse. Rather than losing weight, we lost a second round and a tight edit at Quinn's, both of which averaged probably about 23, 24 stone. And that's on like a light day. So when we lost them, they moved one retired and one moved clubs. They were like, ah, we haven't re-signed anyone or signed anyone that's going to replace them. So you guys need to kind of get <laughs> a little bit bigger. And we were like, What? You you've been fucking moaning us for years to lose weight, get our fucking body meals down, our fat meals down, all that. Like they're like, yeah, we kind of need you to put on like five kilos. So like, okay. And at first I went, this is great. I'll just fucking eat what I want and up the calories. And it was like five or six thousand calories I was having to hit every day. Wow. That was the toughest thing I've ever had to do. To go, I'm having to stuff myself more with chicken. I'm having to stuff myself more and more with food in order to put on this weight. And I was like, oh, my God. Got up to one two 1.28, couldn't fucking move. I was like, yeah. well, what's the point in that? They were like, well, at least you're heavier now. I can't move. They were like, yeah, okay. And after a couple of months, they were like, we think you should lose some weight now because you're not moving particularly well. I fucking said this <laughs> to you uh, earlier, you twat. Um, BMI, is that something to listen to? I had a letter come home about my six-year-old daughter saying that her weight to height ratio was above the norm and here's some recommendations of websites for diet and websites for uh, exercise for clubs for exercise and when i opened it first of all i was like oh god okay now how am i going to show my wife this like she's gonna lose her nut that someone's calling a six-year-old overweight so she said, what's that? I said, nothing, nothing's fine. So then I did show her and she went, what the fucking fuck is that? What is, there is nothing wrong with Maggie. She's just a little bit bigger than, it's not like she's, but it was because the scale of her height and her weight wasn't the norm on the BMI scale. Is that actually
3: legit? It's an interesting one because a lot of people straight away go, no, this is bullshit. It doesn't have any relevance, but... Actually, the the main counter-argument is using the England rugby team, where every single member of the England rugby team is obese or clinically obese. Where, in hindsight, you go, actually, they're, they're athletes that represent their country at the highest level. Who the fuck are you calling them clinically obese? But the majority of the nation are not England rugby players. So it can be, across general populations, a good predictor. It's almost like the PG way of saying to someone, their intention probably isn't to say to your daughter that she's overweight. It's probably to maybe five or 10 people in the class who are overweight, they got the same letter, to those parents, your, your kid is overweight. they type two diabetes, didn't used to be an issue with kids. It used to be called adult onset diabetes, but because the amount of teenagers getting it, they had to t- change the name. There are a lot of concerns. There is a lot of pressure on people. And when they're looking at pamphlets, you know that is their way of saying to people, the good news is you can open that at home and go, fuck off. A dad's an England rugby player. So that's my counter argument to the BMI. But to some people out there, and again, I'm not saying that, you know, are your kids fat, help them out. There are socioeconomic issues. There are family issues. There are people working night shifts, working hard to keep the lights on, let alone trying to manage the dietary interventions of their kids who are getting fed shit at schools. And, you know, 50p might go further at the tuck shop than it would in getting some proper food. So there's a whole myriad of issues there. But unfortunately, BMI is a good predictor for normal people. And it's a tool that doctors can use, which again is another tricky one where, you got five, 10 minutes with someone in a surgery before they're in and out thinking, oh, well, you know, for this height, this weight, you are, you know, rather than going, oh, fucking look at the size of you or oh, the other size of fucking house or oh, don't sit on that. That'll break. You know, there, is their their way of going, okay, we'll reduce that on the BMI. And instead of making it just about weight or just about circumferences, I think it is a way they're trying to be gentle with people. And for some people, they do need that gentle approach, but for other people, they don't. And I mean... Some people ask me why I'm a bit of an arsehole. You're like, really? (laughs) Some people ask you, why am I a bit of an arsehole? But like, I remember when I was playing rugby, I remember I got dropped once and uh, got to the coach and I said, why have I been dropped? And he goes, well, you played like shit at the weekend. And I was like, wow. But that next Tuesday, I wasn't fucking around before training as usual. I was there, I was hitting rucks. I was putting my bib on. I'll play the best part I can at training because that telling off. I knew come Tuesday, I've got to work my way back into the starting squad. For someone else, they would have just left the rugby club. But we're, we're all focusing so hard on not hurting people's feelings. We're missing out the people that need that little slap in the face to say, look, you can do better. And I think that for some people, when they go into a doctor's surgery, doc, it would be nice to, to go, fucking hell, mate, come on. Come on. You know. And some people need that. Not everyone, but some people.
1: So what I've taken from that is I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to get that letter out of the bin. Um, I'm going to sit Maggie down. And say Maggie, she go, Yes, Daddy. And I go, You're fat. <laughs> You're fat as fuck. Your BMI through the fucking roof. And I'm sorry to tell you this, it's mainly my fault. <laughs>
3: Cause you've got my genes, clearly. She's got a great back on her.
2: She has amazing been. back.
3: I suppose the BMI means that they don't have to go, Maggie, come here. We're gonna be doing your fat calipers. You know, it, it is I can I can see both sides of the argument. I think that the the issue isn't so much the BMI, it's the schools, it's the meals, it's the lack of physical education, fuck me, even the weather in the UK is a big issue on how much people are walking. It's the amount of people standing still on an escalator or when you go to the airport, the flat ones, where people step on it, you had the opportunity to walk faster than physically possible and you decided to stand still. There are so many things culturally that I think are wrong. I think BMI shouldn't be as high as it is with hatred. There are so many other things that we should be calling bullshit on.
1: Um, James, I had an idea of potentially what this chat would be like before having the chat and you've struck me as a much calmer and more measured. Is that something you recognize now rather than originally when you first made it big on Instagram and fuck this, fuck that, you know, getting that little snippet out there because you needed to get the attention. Is that something you recognize now that you've, you've, purposely done or you've you've changed your experiences life have, have changed you
3: yeah i think that emerging is the hardest bit building the momentum and it was always like a trying to claw my way out and i did have to be brash facetious controversial and kind of now like a snowball going down a hill now i feel like i've generated enough momentum to move like now i do need to probably be myself more a bit more calculated also i, I do feel sometimes quite bad putting other people down to to raise myself up so there is definitely that i think that i'm maturing as a person as well i've probably got to start thinking about my future a bit more and i suppose now a more important part is what kind of message i'm leaving and the example i'm setting Like i never really appreciated that before but now i'm appreciating that it's not just a number there are real people that can really benefit from what i'm doing and maybe you know i do have to be more calculated measured and in some respects more sensible but not too much
1: I think it's great. I mean, I've followed you for a while and I enjoyed you from the start. But meeting you in person today, hearing how you speak, hearing the ideas you've got, and I just really enjoyed talking to you. And if you want to listen to more of James, then he's got his own podcast, the James Smith Podcast, originally named, as well as ours. (laughs) Cheers, cheers, James. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Cheers, thanks for having me. He was great. Loved speaking to him. I loved actually meeting him in person. Followed him on social media for a while, but then to, to meet him in person was far outweighed what I thought it was going to be.
2: This will sound like a cuss joke. It's not meant to be. He was less buff than I expected, and I mean that's a good thing because he was clearly well-toned, but he didn't look ludicrous. He looked to me like someone who enjoys working out, but hasn't let it fuck up his life.
1: What do you want me to say to that? Well, you can either agree or disagree. Great observation. <laughs> <laughs> Bang on. Spot on there, Tom. Here's your plug moment. What are we plugging?
2: Joe, we're going to plug a podcast which I know you are very, very fond of. And that is The Secret History of Flight 149. Now, this is the story of ordinary passengers on a trip from London to Malaysia who were taken hostage by Saddam Hussein when they stopped to refuel in Kuwait during the First Gulf War. Joe, Is it fair to say it's an incredible story of undercover operations, cover-ups, human shields and a 30-year fight for the truth?
1: Well, that's a far longer description than I would have given. So mine is, it's brilliant. I was gripped from episode one all the way to episode 10. It was great. Highly recommend that one.
2: Just search for The Secret History of Flight 149 in all your usual podcast places. Who's on our next episode? Joe, it is an expert in artificial intelligence. Will Smith, it's not Will Smith. Can you do a robot voice, by the way?
1: Aye. (laughs) (laughs) You can do one word. Artificial.
2: It's Nelson, (laughs) is that a robot?
1: Artificial intelligence coming to your ears. (laughs) It's weak. (laughs) Fuck, my life. Crowd network, a place where you belong. (laughs) Why does it go to Nelson? (laughs) Sports Social
2: Podcast Network.